What's up, podcast listeners? On this episode of the podcast, I'm hanging out with the amazing Enja Oni. Enja is uh, just honestly one of the most like beautiful souls I've ever talked to. She's an art. She's in a creative. She is, I, be- I believe, t- t- to get it right, exactly what she said on the show, was the youngest foster mother ever in New York. Um, she's taken on, she's taking care of kids. She just has an amazing life. And I got to give shouts out to her fantastic husband, Dan, who I've also had as a guest on my podcast. And just the two of them have like, somebody should write a movie about their lives. Um, and that's why I was so excited to have both of them separately uh, as guests on this podcast. But Enja, just thank you seriously for the woman that you are, the influence that you have, the creative mind, soul, patience that you just bring to this earth, this world, the people around you. And uh, I've really kind of got into the whole the whole concept of like listening to art and, and you know how art speaks to you. I thought it was fascinating. So again, just want to say a huge thank you uh, for who you are. And I hope all the listeners tuning in enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Uh, Enja, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. Oh, thank you for the invitation, Matt. I'm really looking forward to it, and I'm so glad to be part of your podcast. So, thank you. I uh, I feel I feel very blessed. I get the uh, double trouble. I had uh, the the fantastic Dan uh, earlier this week, and I get you this weekend. Oh, <laughs> yes, Dan Dan the man, or as my my children say, and I hopefully no one will they won't mind either. They call him Dirty Dan. So if that's any indication, there you go, everybody. You get a sneak peek of behind the curtain. <laughs> uh, dirty Dan, I love that. Yes, that yes. sounds like it. Well, well, he brave he briefly gave me the uh, backstory and all the kids, which I want to hear about. So I, I kind of jokingly made the comment. I was like, "Well, you know, Thanksgiving uh, must be you know completely quiet for you guys." And he's like, "Well, funny you say that. It actually usually is. It's just you and him." And so uh, we we get that we get <laughs> we get the under the curtain side of things. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But when we do get a chance to get most of the kids, we've never gotten all of them together. Surprising, you know, with eleven yeah. kids and nineteen grandkids, that's a that's a big feat to do. But we get most yep. of them together, and when we do, it's it's pretty much of a hoot. It's a lot of fun. Oh, I bet. So, so give me give me the life story. Give me the background. What you got? Wow. Let's see. Well, born and raised in the Bronx, New York. That's right, baby. And <laughs> but it was a, everyone has this the big, hometown, the hometown, the crew. <laughs> yes, yes. Everyone has this horrible connotation when it comes to the Bronx, but it's actually broken up into different sections. And I was born and raised in the North Bronx, which was, I could look at Westchester County outside my balcony when we looked, we lived in a, uh, a high rise building around there, which was very exclusive, darling. But it was really a very nice, very small town, uh, lots of beautiful trees. I mean, if you think of the Westchester County, basically that's what the Bronx was for me growing up. So I loved it there and it was really cool, but I always knew that there was uh, something more in life for me. Uh, everyone always thinks that there's New York and everywhere, any, everywhere else. And uh, I know I'm probably gonna get in trouble with a bunch of New Yorkers right now, but I always wanted to see what the other world was like. I mean, there was so much out there and I wanted to know. So my big thing when I was a little girl was to move away and, and discover what else was out there. And I didn't have a had you uh, had you travel like so when you've got the dream to uh, go somewhere else had you have been somewhere else and you're like wow I want to go live there or is it just a matter of you've been in New York you've you know seen pictures or movies or whatever of other places and you were just thinking yep time to move on uh, a little bit of both I'm serious ever since I was a little girl I was a big uh, old movie buff to this day I mean silent movies as far back as you can go I love it it's so much fun 
And so it was part of the old movie, but I loved old movies and the escapism that it presented because my childhood was pretty fun. Oh, well, I don't want to curse. Pretty messed up. So, oh, no, no, feel free. You got free reign. Yeah, you're good. Free reign. Okay, well, the, the New Yorker will definitely come out. So anyway, it was, it was pretty bad. And so the travel and the just that wanting to uh, escape was part of that. And so, yeah, I always wanted to travel. I always thought there's so much more than just this. This has to be. And I wanted to uh, discover it. And which led me to being creative as well, because because things were so messed up, I, um, I went into my imagination and my creativity. And that's what kept me sane. And who knew that all the things that I wanted to do created in my mind way back then is the things that I do today. So you as a, you as a uh, young lady, you decided you want to go see the world. How old were you, how old were you, would you say, when you were like, yep, it's time to go explore more things? <laughs> well, I made my master plan when I was nine. <laughs> Love that. As one does, as one does. <laughs> I, I, I heard about the Peace Corps. And so I was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll join the Peace Corps because they have to go other places and do stuff. And so that was my, my first, uh, first draft of my master plan. And then, uh, um, oh, go ahead. Well, yeah, real quick on that. So, so I, I'm, I'm sensing a theme of creativity through this and uh, briefly knowing a little bit about you. I know that that's a core of who you are, which I'm excited to dive into. But as a nine year old, you create this, you know, this, this beautiful, amazing plan of how you're going to go take on the world. What was your like creative outlet at the time? Did you draw? Did you paint? Did you, you know, create big plan? I mean, what, what would you say was like your, your creative outlet at the time? Uh, it was always drawing because I really didn't know at nine. I never knew about anything else, really. So I yeah. would I would draw myself in different places, and That's I would That's yeah cool. I would I would be and there was always these five versions. As a matter of fact, I'm an art therapist now as well, which was another dream come true, and I I use that as for my um, for the patients so they understand my clients so they understand what is possible. I said so I asked him I said let's go back and when he was a little boy a little girl, and what was your safe place? Everybody has one, but we forget about it. But everybody, even if you had an amazing childhood, you always imagine the safe place. And what does it look like? What does it smell like? What do you see? And so mine was, uh, it was this beautiful field, beautiful green field with a little bit of a hill far in the distance. And there was this big oak tree full of bloom but it was in the spring so all these beautiful leaves and then as i walked through this field i saw these little teeny yellow and pink flowers i walked up to the tree and it was like on a little hill and on the other side of it was this not a babbling brook but like a stream just gently going and the sun would twinkle down on the water and it would dance and on the other side of that stream was another field with these beautiful trees this thick forest and I would sit under the tree and it would be my safe place. And that's, I can remember it to this day. And I started doing that um, maybe four or five years old. And I bring so, it. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, keep going. No, no, keep going. No, no. So I bring it to this, I bring it that forward. The fact that it's so, I can, I can see it. I could smell it. 
I, to this day, if I, when I start to talk about it, it comes back. It all comes back. That's how important those safe spaces are. And we all create them for whatever reason, one way or another, we create those. And so I want my, my patients to understand, my clients to understand that, yeah, let's, let's bring it back to that time and bring that safe place to now and let that be the thing that you need to put yourself in, surround yourself with, so that when we talk about these things that aren't as pleasant, you're surrounding yourself, you're putting yourself in a safe place. In, 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 sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off because that no, was no. beautiful. And, oh. and, and, and it, it makes me ask a question. Do you think that people who had a good, uh, whatever good relatively is, but for, for sake of discussion, who had a good or healthy childhood are capable of conjuring that safe place easier than those that had a uh, messed up or screwed up or untraditional, difficult childhood? Uh, because, you know, I, 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 in, I guess in my experience, and not to go too therapeutic, but in my experience, I had a wonderful childhood. Yes, I, I mean, parents divorced, so sure, I had some trauma. But to me, I, I actually am, I need to spend some time thinking about what that, what that safe place uh, would be, because I think all in all, I, I have just a bunch of wonderful memories. Mm. But I also could see, I, like, I know some of my friends who had, like, very difficult child, and they, and they would probably be able to answer that pretty quickly. And so I'd be curious your perspective. Number one, how, like, our, our most people able of coming up, able to come up with that relatively quickly. And also, I, I guess, yeah, I'd be, I, I'd just be curious your perspective on that. That's a good, that's a really interesting question too. Let's see. I, I believe that everyone has a safe place. Um, it's possible. And I don't like to put people like a group people together because that's not fair. Uh, even yeah, people that, you know, sorry, unfair question there. <laughs> no, 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 not, not for you, just for, for me, my perspective, but not for you asking it. Because the, the question is amazing. So yeah, uh, um, because it's a defense mechanism for people that have had horrible or not too great childhoods. Since it is a defense mechanism, it's I believe it's probably easier for them to tap into it. But at the same time, they have, um, and this is a general. I shouldn't be general. Some people have a hard time clicking back into it. Uh, because it was a defense mechanism. So if the if the the trauma is not present right now, there's no reason to click. So to train yourself to click into it automatically at at, at will. That's that's the training. That's the thing that needs to be done. Now for people that had great childhoods, you got yeah, you're right. You have all these amazing memories that you can just draw. oh yeah, I remember this. I can remember that, and that's good too. So there, there is no right or wrong or yes or no. It just, it just is. And I know people that from the outside, you know, they, you know, everyone thinks that they had this fairy tale childhood, but in reality, they didn't. So it's, it's so, it, it's, it's so um, personal. It's a personal thing, I think. So I, I couldn't just say one or the other. It wouldn't be fair. Of course not. No, I love that. Um, so. Uh, you go from Bronx wanting to take on and discover the new world. Where do you go to next? <laughs> so um, years and years and years went by because um, I also was a sassy thing. So I was a teenage mom. <laughs> so that, that blew my, um, my, my peace course stuff right out of the water. So I was a teenage mom and I had two kids by the time before I was 20. So yeah, I was, I was busy. So 
Then um, my father, who was the very first black travel agent in Harlem, thank you so much, Pops. And he, and my mother and father weren't together, but he um, said, what? I, I said, I, uh, I'm thinking about going to Atlanta or um, uh, Canada. I thought about moving to Canada. And I was in my early 20s by then. Atlanta, Canada, same thing. <laughs> I just, I figured, you know, I wanted to go to a different country. That was my main thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But else, like, yep, if yep, I yep. didn't go to Canada, then how about Atlanta? And I, I, I was young. I don't know what's going on. I just knew I wanted to get out of New York. And he said, he suggested, why don't you try Las Vegas? And I was like, huh? Vegas? Ain't nothing there. <laughs> but he was like, he said, you know, exactly. You don't drink. You don't smoke. You don't gamble. For you, it'll be the perfect place. It's just, it's just there. It has, for you, it would be endless possibilities. So I went, huh, okay, well, maybe. So anyway, so that went on the back burner again. And then uh, I met my first husband. I had two more kids. And then I revisited this again. I was like, you know what, I, it's time to go. And he uh, said again, how about Vegas? I said, okay, well, you keep thinking Vegas is good, so let's go. I'll try it. So he hooked us up with some tickets and my then husband and I went down to Vegas and this was in 86. So now if you think of Vegas in 86, there was nothing there. I mean, it didn't look anything <laughs> of what Vegas looks like now. It's just a big blank. There's nothing going on. And uh, real, real quick, I, I was given a cheap plug and, you know, of course we have no idea who that came from, but I was given a cheap plug. That apparently you, uh, were you involved in some form of raising foster kids as well too? Oh my goodness. Yes, I was. And I know who did that one. Yes, I was <laughs> at the time, at the time. Now remember, this is like early eighties. I was the first, I was the youngest uh, foster parent in New York city at the time. Say that you were the youngest foster parent in New York city at the time. At that time. Yes, I was the youngest. So walk Walk me through that. So, and 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 I, th I, I want to be very careful that I'm not going to ask any questions that are hyper personal or bring up anything that's. But were you so the two kids that you had before 20? Were you raising them as a single mother? Yes. And then decided, yeah, I don't have enough things on my plate, so might as well just change the world and foster some more kids and help their lives get better too. <laughs> it's called naturally. That's just naturally. That's just what people do. Okay, cool. I'm with you. I'm with you. Now, again, a lot of this stuff has come from the childhood that I had, and I knew yeah. that there were other kids out there that probably needed some help. So, I had, great story, though, I have, and I have so many stories, it's ridiculous, but this one I have to say. So, I was going, I was attending school in the Teresa Hotel, which was a, a major landmark down in Harlem, and uh, the, there was a, a, a little grocery store, let's say, a little, you know, uh, something just to pick something up real quick. Uh, down on the bottom of uh, the gentleman that owned the store and his son. So his son, we were about the same age and I would go in and get some lunch or something on break. And every, he would say, Oh, what do you like to do? I said, I love going to parks, ironically, my safe space. And so he would say, Oh, well, there's a park not too far away from here. Well, I'm, I'm from the Bronx, baby. I don't know anything about Harlem really other than visiting my father. I was like, really? Okay. So uh, he said, one lunch break, I'll take you to the park. I said, I only have so much time. He said, it's real quick. It's not a quick, it's a real quick walk. I said, okay. So we're walking. And uh, he said, let me, let's uh, 
let's go take a shortcut through this block. I, I don't know how much texture you want me to do, but it's not wasn't very nice. So basically, it was a drug block. So we cut through this drug block, and I'm looking at these people. I mean, it was horrible. People strung out uh, and just laying out in the street. It was it was horrendous. And I had to do all my New York toughness to keep my face together because I wanted to just cry. It was it was bad. And I'm seeing these babies running around, no shoes. It was horrible. And I by the time we got, I kept it together till we finished going through this block. And then I broke down. I'm crying and carrying on. And I was like, oh, my God. And that's when I said, I got to do something. And I got to do something as soon as possible to help these kids because this doesn't make sense. They would not allow me to be a foster mother when I was single. So as soon as I was married, <laughs> that poor man, I guess I got to give him a break. As soon as I got married, I was like, this is what I want to do. And so I did. And that was it. So, I mean, the not only that experience of walking through and seeing that in the kids, but also from your past of what you grew up with, you basically wanted to doesn't matter how old you were, it doesn't matter your circumstance, but you wanted to give a life that those kids probably wouldn't have had unless it was for you or somebody who came alongside them. Well, you know, I'm, I'm just grateful that I got a chance to help. I don't think I'm any special, any more special than anybody else. It's just that I saw a need. And that's what life is supposed to be about. You're supposed to, um, you see a need and you fill it. That's what you're supposed to do. So. I love that. Uh, <laughs> selfless is, uh, an amazing word to describe you and that story. And we know each other for stunning uh, 18 minutes, but I can already tell that's a theme. That's a theme, theme of your life, which is very cool. So, Youngest foster mother in New York city hits the big uh, Vegas strip. What happens? Uh, what happens from Vegas? And, and did the, did the kid, did the, uh, obviously your, your, your kid did, they did the foster kids. Did you do that all through New like in, in New York or did you actually continue or, how did that transition happen once you moved to uh, Vegas? Well, that the, the young man that I was able to foster, he did go back to his his father, uh, and so we lost contract contact after that. Uh, after we established ourselves in in Las Vegas, then here I go and do it again. So, <laughs> so then I had a um, uh, let's see, we lived there for about two years before I was able to, because you know they want to make sure you're stable. And then I uh, started with one young lady, uh, and it was uh, she was about a couple of months younger than my oldest daughter. So there we go. And so I got, but got her. And then uh, her younger brother was in another. They usually break kids up in foster care, which is horrible. But he was in another home, which goes closed because of abuse. So they're already in foster care for reasons. And then you go into another for go into a foster home and then get abused. What is this crap about? Pissing me off. And so his home was being closed. And they asked me what I take him. I said, oh, absolutely. And then they had another brother in between the two. And uh, I said, I want him too. And it was like, where he is is stable and he's fine. I said, but I believe that if I win, when like, these children get together, that they'll heal themselves as well. They want their family back, as much of a family as I can give them. And so I fought the city to get him. And then, so I got all three of that sibling group back together. That was, and exactly what I thought would happen did. And they was able to heal each other. It was good. How well did you sleep that night? 
when when I found the last boy came, I was so yeah. I was so happy. And I remember the um I remember the first time that the uh the um caseworker came over and the kids I had a house at that time and they, everybody was in the backyard playing. And she came over and we're in the living room talking and she stopped and she said, Wait a minute, is that and I'm gonna keep the names to myself. Is that so of course, please. And I said, Yeah, she said, Oh my gosh, he's laughing. I said, Yeah, exactly. Because where he was before, he never talked. He was always quiet. Mm. Yeah, so I was like, and then she just gave me the look. She didn't have to say anything else. She knew and I knew, we both knew, and we just talked about other things. Yeah, that's so special. I uh, got some got some goosebumps. It's cool stuff. <laughs> well, let me add to um, the goose. I'm going to add a little something. So those three please. children, uh, they uh, I wanted to adopt them, and they uh, the mother came out of whatever and decided she wanted them back. So I wasn't able to officially adopt them. But when they left, I said, I'm always going to be your mom. And that will never change. So when they got older, and to this day, they still call me and, hey, mom. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> And they always come back for Thanksgiving. So those, that's the group that comes back for Thanksgiving, too. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. Yeah. Man. So you, um, you are now in Vegas. Um, and, uh, I, I, I didn't really acknowledge this early on, but it's funny. It's funny of all places. If you don't drink, you don't gamble and you don't do drugs or smoke, but you end up in Vegas <laughs> of, all, of all places that are like ironic to be, but also it makes sense. I mean, it's, it's a world of opportunity if you don't get lost in some of the, uh, some of the things you can get lost in out there. So what, what, what happens next? Uh, I got divorced. <laughs> Vegas tends to do that to people. Yep, Vegas does that to people. <laughs> oh, well, you know what? It was it, it wasn't the best of times anyway. So it was just a it was a matter. And Vegas, that's the one thing. Vegas will it will show what cracks that you might have. If you have any cracks, oh yeah, Vegas will it'll it'll, it'll exploit them. So. <laughs> It, it wasn't it wasn't the best of unions anyway, so it's fine. And he's remarried. Thank God he's happy, and I so am I. I met the man of my dreams, so everything worked out perfectly. So yeah, we got divorced, and uh, what I forgot it was in between times. You know, I went to school to become a nurse in New York, and uh, back then in the Stone Ages, you couldn't just go. Uh, now, you know, computer age, you just go blah, 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 and all your transcripts or certifications or you know credentials get transferred over. Well, back then you had to wait. And so I got uh, jobs as I was, let's see, I was a, a change girl at the dunes. Yes. Hello. Change, change. You want some change, sir? Yeah, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So I did a lot of different odd jobs until that uh, my uh, certification and stuff came through. After that, I started working in the hospitals there. And I worked at uh, three, four different major hospitals there while um, I lived in Las Vegas. And uh, my mom, oh, and my mom, I was going to move down to Vegas. And my mom said, you're not leaving me here. So my mom moved down with me. So it was me, my four kids, my mom, and my then husband. So it was, <laughs> it was, it was a ragtag group. So was, I was about to say, it's quite the crew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, I'm, I'm grateful I had that time with my mom, too. 
so we uh, we all moved down and, you know, I'm working and doing everything and then had the kid, foster kids too. And I'm working foster kids. I'm doing all the stuff. And then the, the marriage broke apart and that was fine and kept it going. Then um, that I worked in the hospitals and my mom. So my mom passed away. Oh, sorry. I was just getting ready. I just had a really, I transferred to the, uh, the NICU unit and it, that was pretty sad. It was a little bit too much for me. And uh, I told my mom, I said, you know, uh, I don't think I could do this nurse thing anymore. Now, my mom was a retired nurse. And she told me when I first got into it, she said, you'll know when it's time to go. When you when it feels empty inside, when you can't give that care, then it's time to go. Well, a certain incident happened in the NICU and it was bad. It was bad. So I was like, ah. I remember calling her at three o'clock in the morning and saying, Mom, I think it's time. She said, well, you know what you need to do. And so I did. So I left uh, the hospital. <laughs> right around that time, they were building the Bellagio. And they you didn't need any experience. They were taking everybody. You didn't need to know garbage. <laughs> they would take you. I said, I'm going to apply for the Bellagio then. So I did. And I got in. <laughs> so I left the hospital. I started working at the Bellagio. What from a- from, uh, from hospitals to casinos? Yep, naturally. Of course, of course. <laughs> very uh- linear transition. Trust me. I, I, I so I, I worked. I owned a lawn care company, and now I work in video interviewing and HR. So non-linear traditional paths are uh, my thing. So. <laughs> yeah, good. Because I know it's like, what the heck? I just wanted to do. I said, well, that people will be happy there. What an idiot. No, at least in the hospital, I know why they were miserable. In the casino, they're miserable because they were losing money. I was like, oh, my goodness. And there's some nasty stories, but I'll tell you that another time because there's some very famous people and very bad behavior, but that's another thing. So That's uh, that's when I'll come visit you guys in Arizona. Those those will be off-the-record stories. There you go. There you go. So uh, I did that for a while, and then, because I was always working in environments with no smoke, really, except for that short time as a change girl. I got very uh, severely allergic to cigarette smoke. Well, can't work in a casino. And I was about to say, a casino is not the place to work if that's the problem. <laughs> and I had just went to school. They had an in-service school to be a poker dealer. And I had just finished doing that. And the poker rooms at that time was just a cloud of smoke. I said, oh, God, what am I going to do? So my mom said, she said, you know, I'd rather have you than the money. I said, Ma, do you know how much money this is? <laughs> You know how much money I'm getting ready to make? What are you talking about? She said, Ma, honey, sweet, sweetheart, no, that's not important. You're important. And you're, when you have your health, once it's gone, you don't know what you're going to get back. You're going to be on oxygen or whatever, and you're going to just be a mess. And that's not that's no way to live. Well, that was one of the best advice. My Well, my mom gave me a lot of good advice, but that was one of her better ones because I said, okay, mom, you're right. And so I... Uh, had to get off the casino floor, and I took a position in um, the finance department at the Bellagio instead. Well, in the interim, because I had like a two-week window to transfer and blah, 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 and so they got two weeks off. I took that time to, you know, get a checkup for me and take my mom to the doctor and blah, 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 blah. In that time, my mom passed away. I know. I went. Yeah. And that, that. yeah, that's when that happened, uh, just everything. She was my, my, my life, my rock, the person that I wanted to protect because, you know, even though I had a horrible childhood, she was getting that abuse too. 
So my goal was to protect her. And here we are. So then she, when she passed away, everything just fell apart for me. And that's when Art came back and saved me. And when I say I fell apart, I fell apart completely. I couldn't leave the house. I forgot how to read. I forgot how to write. I couldn't hardly speak. Everything fell apart because all the memories that I blocked when I was a kid came flooding back. Everything came back, the horrors of it all. And I'm looking going, this couldn't possibly have happened to me. I don't remember this. Yet, it did. And I had to deal with the trauma of, oh my goodness, it's not just years of it. It's all of a sudden, bam, like a, like a tidal wave smacking you upside and you're just tumbling. It was, it took, uh, it took five years for me to deal with all of that trauma, put it in its perspective place and emerge back to who I am today. So when I came back, matter of fact, when I was uh, in- uh, Is it safe to say that you didn't emerge back to who you are today, but you emerged way, emerged way better? Uh Thank you. <laughs> I don't mind accepting that. Oh, it's 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 different. It is different, but it's and it's good. I understand. I understand so much more now. I was able to take everything that happened to me, and once I was able to get past it, I said, "Oh my goodness, how many other people out there are dealing with this? And how can I help them? How can I help them? And what do I have that can help them?" Well, in my darkest times, the only thing that when I finally could actually pick up anything, a brush or a pen, I was able to draw. I was able to start to paint again. That's the only language I was able to to understand. And so my paintings, which I call my spirit paintings because there were actually spirits that came and, and visited me, especially during that time. And they would come and they would talk to me. And I know this might be kind of far-fetched for some people, but I'm not ashamed of it anymore. I used to be afraid to tell. And now I, I even wrote a play about it. So I don't even worry. <laughs> and I performed it several times. And, and people at the end of the play, they go, wow, yes, I know that person. I know someone like that. So I know it's true. But these spirits came and they talked to me and they told me their life stories. And I would paint them as they talked to me. And I realized that, yeah, you had a hard time. But damn it, there's people that had it a lot worse. This isn't anything new. And those paintings told me, they said, the day's going to come when people all over the world are going to see us. And now I'm, in, I'm hiding in the closet, okay? So what are you talking about? But they told me that's one day that would happen. And I'm not coming back. I'm not here for you. I'm here to help other people. Because when they see me and hear my story, it'll help them to heal. I was like, wow. Well... If you say so, I'm, I'll, you know, listen, I can barely get out the house. So I'm just going to keep doing what you said to do. And years that it happened, it happened. It happens to this day. People see the paintings and they start talking to them as if they're, they're, they're real people for me. But my goodness, they talk and they say, yes. Or they'll say, your painting is talking to me and telling me this. It happens all the time. And I'm going to start crying. I just, it's, it, it, it's, it doesn't, it never ceases to amaze me that this actually happens. This is real. This is a real thing that happened to me and that's happening to other people. They feel them. 
they know them. So, and I, the, I am. Um, oh, I, I, and I'm not. I'm not saying this just to be kind or nice, but there's such a different. <laughs> when you step into the room with somebody who's, let me take a step back. I think there's a lot of people who everybody's been through trauma in some way, shape, or form, and I think there's a lot of people who want to be seen and heard and just acknowledge that they went through something hard. And I think a lot of times people are trying to share their trauma so they can feel better about themselves. And I don't fault that whatsoever, but the moment you can interact with somebody and and this is you to a T, but the moment you can interact with somebody who says the trauma that I've gone through, I need to get, you know, I need to figure out the strength and however it's going to come, be it creative outlet, be it faith, be it people, whatever it may be. But I, I, I'm going to get through this trauma, not just for me, but so that I can help others heal too. Mm-hmm. That's a special person. And that's somebody who's willing to fight through whatever shit life throws at them. And, and life sucks a lot of times. Yeah. And the fact that uh, you can take the trauma you've been through saying that I know if I get through this, somebody else can be healed too, mm-hmm. is, a, is a remarkably special thing. So I just, I want you to know that. Well, thank, thank you for saying that. Uh, like I'll tell everyone, else, well, they'll ask me, well, how did you paint that? I said, it's not me painting it. <laughs> it's going through me. It's going through me. So uh, it's not, oh, and there's technique and the blah, blah, blah. No, it's going through me. So I'll take that uh, compliment. Thank you so much. And I still believe that I am here to, as a vehicle to help. And, yep. and I use art as, and then I became a therapist because of those reasons. I was like, I'm going to take my art and use the art as the conduit for the therapy because it is a conduit. It is a medium that heals. Matter of fact, that's one of my little taglines. Art is a healing medium because it is. And I was like, well, is it art or is it creativity? Which brings us to the next step of the five steps to remembering. Because I think we all know, we all know but life gets in the way, things get in the way, whatever. And then we forget that thing that we can click into to bring us joy or happiness or serenity or music or dancing or cooking. Or it's so, all of these creative outlets. They're all creative. They're all creativity. So you tap into that and that'll help you to heal through difficult times. And is there any more difficult time than now? I'm sure there was, but for right in here, right now, this is the difficult time that people need to go through. And so that's why it's so important to remember your creativity, embrace it, hug it, kiss it up. It's there for you. It's there to help you right now through whatever you're going through. Financial difficulties, yeah. Kids driving you crazy because everybody's in the house, yeah. All of those things, all of those things. That's what it's there for, for us to do just have to remember it's always there so for somebody who does not believe that they're creative and i agree with you i think everybody's creative in in some way shape or form and that's not a nice buzzword to make everybody feel better but i truly believe that everybody has some form of a creative outlet um and and for for mine uh my creative outlet is kind of actually dreaming up businesses for other people to take and run with it's something Uh that i Anybody in the world can buy me a beer or I'll go buy somebody a beer and say, let's chat about some idea and let's take and run with it. And that's to me just like the one one of my favorite things in the world and where I just like take a deep breath and can 
I guess, quote unquote, be a creative is when let's let's think of a concept and how to take the first step to bring it to life. That's kind of my creative outlet. And I've really enjoyed that. And I do it in my day to day world of running a couple companies. But at the same time, like I love doing that for other people. And, and, and that to me is when I need like a day off, it's let's get some buddies together and let's just dream a little bit. And and so I, I in my world, I'm not a, I'm not an artist. I'm not a painter. I'm not a musician. But to me, that's like a creative outlet that I just love and get so much joy out of. And so long winded response to ultimately the question is for somebody who doesn't believe or doesn't know or doesn't, you know, whatever it may be. And they say, I'd love to be good at something like that. What's the first step to sort of unlocking that bit of creativity that they have, but don't know where it is? Hmm. Well, you know, like part of it, I I love the the word you use. You said we'll dream together because that's exactly the first thing that's like when I'm doing a designing something for because I do a uh, I designed clothes for different entertainers in Las Vegas as well. That was another offshoot, which I do believe whatever, if it comes to you, it's yours. So if you think of a whatever and you go, oh, but I don't do that. I said, if it came to you, that means it is yours. That means you can do it. So just stop saying you can't do it and just do it. So, but dreaming, yes. Stop it up and do it because it's important. <laughs> it came to you though. But if it didn't, yeah, know. it wasn't supposed to, then just do, what's wrong with what is this? But exactly usually, right. usually I'll say, well, oh, and I, this does happen quite often. I'm not creative. I'm not creative. I was, oh, so what do you like to do? Well, I don't do anything. I said, no, no, I don't do anything. I said, okay, so, ah, so you have anything, you have a favorite meal you like to cook? No, I don't cook. I don't cook. I said, okay, well, that's fine. All right, do you, um, uh, uh, do you like to, what do you like to do around the house? Oh, I, I like to change the, the furniture around all the time. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I see it differently, and so I change it around. Oh, okay. I said, oh, yeah, and then I, I like to change the colors and stuff. I said, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, and then so-and-so, and then they start telling me all the things, the creative stuff that they do, but they don't recognize that it's creative. They have, they don't, they didn't put that together. They're so used to it has to be a, a brush or a pencil or a pen or, you know, or it has to, you have to have clay and your molding or your, is wood. They don't understand that creative mediums come in all of these flavors. It's, it's interior design and it's clothing and it's jewelry and it's cooking. And maybe you like to massage and you like, you, it, that fulfills your spirit but you like to give a massage. Reiki, creativity. It comes in so many different forms. Music, dancing, creative. It's all creative. We're surrounded by it constantly. Oh, I just like to recycle stuff. Really? Yeah, I like to make, uh, I take paper and I make this out of it. Oh, okay, you do? Yeah. Yeah, well, just do that. Just do that. It's your creativity. And it pulls us and maybe it does it pull us in an unconscious way. And if you're going to put it in that term, then is it just part of your DNA? It's something that you just do. You do it because it's part of you. Okay, that sounds great. Then is that part of your creativity? Yeah. And it's something or. Okay, so Matt, what do you do when like when everything you're really stressed out or something's you know, you're just stressed? What's the first thing that you like to do? When I'm really, really stressed, the first thing I like to do is either uh, uh, hop in my car and take a drive or take a walk. And is there a certain area you like to walk to? 
Well, I just moved. So truth be told, I'm figuring that out. Um, <laughs> but, but to me, um, to me, I, I like to go. So uh, it, I, I like to go to, I don't know how to explain this other than I like to walk towards somewhat of like an esoteric type place. So whether it's like where I live now, I walk across a bridge that just because there's water flowing, there's like some big buildings around by. And to me, that just puts me in a bit of a like exciting back to like, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm small in the grand scheme of things. And it, I don't know, it just kind of brings things back to like uh, a safe place for me. Or in my last place, I, I lived a little bit more out in the country. And so it was like a long walk through where there wasn't a lot of cars, wasn't a lot of people and just kind of open space. And so it was either sort of like, depends on where I am, whether I'm in a city or whether I'm, I'm, I'm more out, out in the open, it would be finding a place that I think like I can realize that I'm, I'm small, not in a bad way, but like, you know, it kind of brings back how, how, how big this life is sort of thing. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's, I guess the best way to describe it. No, it's perfect. So the, the, your first thing is to find a, not necessarily, well, you know, you did say it, a safe space. So you thought yeah. about a safe space, someplace where it's tranquil and peaceful and put you in a perspective of where you are in this gigantic, and it is a gigantic universe. Oh my goodness gracious. It's so, you know, I, one of the things that I like to do is I like to think of not just all the stuff that's in the room, with all the empty space that's in the room. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. And you're like, wow, there's more empty space in the room than there ever, unless you're a hoarder. But there's more empty yeah, space. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> For those listening to you, that you may need to clean out a few things and then go through this exercise. <laughs> but usually there's more, usually there's more empty space in the room than there is stuff. And you go, wow, in that empty space, there's energy. And it's up to you to either fill that space with positive or negative energy. If you fill that space with positive energy, with hopes and dreams and just fun, it just, it it infuses you. You infuse the the space and then the space infuses you. You can't help but be happy and just smile and dance and sing. I don't, I can't tell you how many times Dan has walked in a room and I'm dancing all by myself. (laughs) I'm singing and I'm dancing. I'm like, yeah, I feel the energy in the room and I want to say thank you. And I we, I just, I do it all by myself. And he, he's used to it now. So he just walks away. <laughs> yeah. He's like, okay, I'm going to get out of the room, let her do her thing and uh, recalibrate. <laughs> so, Come on and dance with me. He goes, okay, here we go. Now let me go. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> Uh, Let's but, just say this. I'm not feeling the same energy you are. <laughs> <laughs> he, he doesn't break out into a spontaneous dance. No, he doesn't. Yeah, but he's got his drum, so he can solve it that way. <laughs> you know, you're right. You know, he will break out a spontaneous drumming, though. He will do that for sure. But yeah, yeah, yeah. the first thing I would do is I would ask people, back to your question, I would ask people to, uh, you know, what, what when they're stressed, what would they like to, what do they like to do? And nature usually is a big um is a thing that people are drawn to. Uh, that quiet space, that quiet time. Then I'll, and then I just start asking them questions about, you know, it's always no, no, no. And then all of a sudden the yeses start to come. Uh, I, I, you know, I like to, I said, well, you like to cook. I don't cook, but do you like to make anything? Oh, is this something that everybody loves that you make? Oh, people love when I make so-and-so. And so I make it for the whole family. And I said, really? So how does that make you feel when you're, everyone's eating your delicious food? That really fills my heart. It makes me feel so good. It's right there. 
is right there. But usually it's, it's, it's always a creative outlet. And I can yeah. take walking and walking into nature as part of a creative, creative outlet too, because you're connecting with all these beautiful natural elements and it just, it infuses your spirit. Yeah. And I think, um, just to double click on that, I think as, as you're saying that, um, it puts me back in a place. So I, I, uh, like, as I alluded to, um, creating businesses and ideas and dreaming up stuff like that is, is sort of one of the things that I feel like I'm on this earth for. Cause I just really enjoy it. I'm not saying to make a bunch of money, but more to help other people, uh, you know, yeah. not be afraid to take the first step because I've had others approach me that way. But so I think like the idea of taking a long walk, like whether it's through the city or near water or yeah, like nature, I think it kind of allows me to take a deep breath, step back and realize why am I like, what's the big picture that we're trying to do? And it kind of helps recalibrate the stress of whether it's raising capital or employees or man, this is just, uh, you know, lonely, isolated. I mean, whatever it may be, I think it kind of puts me back in a recalibration of like, this is why we're doing it again. And, you know, sometimes those moments last 30 seconds and gets me right back on track. And sometimes they take longer and that's okay. But I think that's, I think as I'm hearing you talk through that probably be the best way to describe that for me. So, you know, that, and that's good. The fact is that you all, you understand and you recognize your outlet. Now imagine all the people that you might see around you that can't do that. And I don't say can't because they can, but it's hard for them to connect or recognize with that. Yeah. There's so, so many, cool. there's so many. And I'm like, but why? <laughs> it's right there. And that's, as that is your purpose, your, this is mine. I love that. Um, so tell me about the book. Oh, well, you know, we just talked a lot about it just now. Turns <laughs> out <laughs> this last 20 minutes have been a cheap plug. So, <laughs> so what else do you want to talk about? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you did, but but we did talk a lot about it. It's the, it's the steps that we need to use, and we have it to connect with the creative selves, because it does put us in another state of mind. And when we do, oh my goodness, it's like this floodgate, and everything is possible. And I don't know about you, Matt, but is it like a download when these ideas come? It's like this download to me. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is, it's, wow, it's so much stuff. And that happens too when you reconnect to your creative self. Yeah. And it's just taking these, and it's easy steps, easy, easy steps. Just as, uh, what, was, what was the name of that old movie? Uh, All About Bob, Baby Steps. <laughs> Baby. Baby. Time. <laughs> just take little steps. And because it is, it is easy. Why? Because it is part of your DNA. Why? Because it is part of you. It's like recognizing this lost, amazing talent that, oh, I I forgot I could do that. Yeah, because, you know, the dog ate my homework and I have to pay this bill and, you know, all this other stuff gets in the way. And then we just push it aside. I'm not going to say we really forget because that's not fair, but we push it back. We push it aside. And it's time to bring that forward. And when you do, not just everything that you do is fun again. You put fun in everything you do. You do it because you have this joy, this joy, this inner joy that you have all the time. And you bring that into everything you do, everything. Because that's what you should be doing as well. It's not, oh, I got to do this thing. Ah, ah, ah. 
well, what kind of funky energy are you putting into that job? Yeah. Yep. You bring that yep. joy in. Okay, we're going to do this. And then even even if, even if it's okay, I'm going to get this done. It's going to be fabulous. You know, and, uh, 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 then I'm going to go home. Blah, blah, blah. Even if it's a projection of your future when you get home, bring everything into the now. Bring it into what you're doing now. Bring that joy. My mother used to say, um, you know, she was renting a place and she would be outside and she'd be sweeping. I said, Mommy, please. <laughs> Are you sweeping outside for? She said, because while we're here, might not, I might not own this place, but while I'm here, this is mine and still a reflection of me. So yes, I'm going to be outside. And if I have to sweep the dirt, I'll sweep the dirt. I always remembered that. So you bring a joy and a pride into everything you do. Bring it into everything. Because it's going to only be great. It's going to be amazing. Why? Because you had such much joy doing it. So why not? Why deprive yourself of that joy? When I worked in the hospitals and I was always, now I, I enjoyed it immensely. So that's one of the things I loved. I loved taking care of patients, but I knew that wasn't my life calling, but I, I enjoyed it immensely. And I would love the fact that I was able to help people. But in the middle of the night when everybody was all stressed out and they were crazy, because I loved working graveyard, I would start singing um, old cartoon songs and everybody turn and look at me. But what's happier than an old Fred Flintstone or Jetson a song or a, a jingle? Oh, yeah. What, what, then you bring, it brings back that joy of when you was a kid, right? Yep. Oh, yeah. Of course. Oh, do you, do you, do you have a favorite one? Do you have a favorite, like, either cartoon or, or commercial uh, song that you really like? I mean, I, I love the Flintstones is hard. It's hard not to bring back great memories. I also, I, I was, uh, I, I still today can uh, sit down and watch a little SpongeBob and get a huge joy out of that. So yeah. I, I, that theme songs keep me going every time. <laughs> exactly. You can't help but get happy. You can't help that. You just, it, it brings all that, those happy memories back. And so I would do that all the time, but yeah, I, I do that with my, <laughs> I do that with my clients now. Uh, there's an old um, uh, Sesame Street and uh, cart. Look, you know, they had those little vignettes that they did in Sesame Street, and we were yeah, talking yeah. about. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, no, I was just about to say, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh yeah, so there was a one that is um, the 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 lesson was about perspective and points of view, and so even though you're looking at a, a, a something that happened to you, there's a I want you to, now that it happened many, many years ago, it's time to step back and look at it from a different perspective, look at it from a different point of view. And so that's what we were talking about, a trauma situation from years ago. And so I pulled out a, uh, uh, the, a video of it. It's called uh, Where You Put Your Eyes. That's, the, that's about the size of it. That's <laughs> and I pulled it out and I'm, I played it for them. And they, we're talking about grown people now. And everybody got a big smile on their face. And I was like, yeah. I said, so, and it's all about perspective. It starts off as this little bug and blade of grass and it pulls all the way out and it goes out, out, out until you're out into the universe past this solar system. And then it returns right back to that bug and the blade of grass. And it's really, really cool. But I love that one. And I sit, I dance and I'm singing a song and they're looking at me like, this woman is nuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it's, so, but it's a joyful nut. It, it's a yes. It's a yes. It's a joyful nut. Yes, it is. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> no, I so love it. 
my favorite question on the planet is, uh, what is it that gets you out of bed in the morning? And I, I, I'm excited for this answer because you've walked in so many different avenues of life and taken care of so many people. So, so for you today, what is it that gets you out of bed in the morning? I love what I do and I do what I love every single day. I do what I love every single day. And that's what gets me up. I wake up and I say, the morning house, I say good morning to the plants. I say good morning to the cat. I say good morning there. I do. I say good morning. I'm so, I love where we live. This is one of my, my dream home. I say, thank you so much for picking us. I, I get a chance to interact with people and hopefully I help them. I love what I do. So what gets me up in the morning? I don't wake up and go, oh no. Well, unless I have to clean. I'm not big. But I do it with joy because I know once it's clean, I look and I, oh, that room looks beautiful. Look at you. You're great. So, but what gets, what wakes me up every morning is being able to do what I love every single day, every day, every single day I do what I love. And I want everyone to feel that joy too. You can have this too. You can have it. You can have it. You can have it. And I just want to like put out a big poster and just wave it outside and you can have this too. So yeah, I wake up and I, I get a chance to sew and design clothes. I love it. It's so much fun. I do wedding alterations locally here. I love it. It's so much fun. I love when the brides come in and they say, I know I'm in great hands. Whatever you do, I know it's good. Now, other people talk about bridezillas. I don't have those. I don't have them. They say, I come to you because I know I'm safe. Oof, you know, that is the biggest compliment for me. So I'm like, yeah, I got you, girl. Let's do this. I get a chance to create for people. I get a chance to make things that I love. I get a chance to do all the things I love, and I get a chance to help them. And even if it's in the smallest of ways, even if it's, uh, I fix a pair of jeans and they put them on and they go, oh, yeah, the look on their face when they put them on and they feel good about what they have on. That's what I love. And I get a chance to do that all the time, all the time. It's, to it's me, I, I pinch myself. It's like, wow, from where I started, from being this little kid that was so abused to this now, life is amazing. Life is amazing. And traveled all over the world. Life is amazing. Who? I, I pinch myself every single day. And then I turn and say, what's next? Now, what, can, what, new, what, what new adventure can we have? What's new? What's exciting? What else can we create? What can we do? Hmm. That's what I wake up for. So, and Jeff, for anybody who wants to hear more about you, follow along, reach out for any of the different creative outlets, potentially it's um, you know, the, the, uh, about your business or anything like that. What's the best way for them to either get in touch with you, get a hold of you, any of it? Uh, you can email me directly, especially if you want a first, uh, first sneak peek or something at the, at my ebook, which is five steps towards connecting with your creativity. Uh, you can email me at Inja, that's N J A at N J A O N E dot com uh, and put let's see put creativity in the subject yeah that way i know that it's through po matt's podcast uh, also you can reach me on facebook and it's called the art 
of Inja Oni. That's my business page. It's called The Art of Inja Oni, and that's on Facebook. Uh, you can also, and then my private is just my personal page, I should say, is Inja Oni on Facebook. And any of those you can reach me at. And I'm looking forward to hearing from everybody and hearing about what your creativity is and how can I help you reconnect with it. So it's going to be fun. Well, Enja, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. This has been amazing. <laughs> well, thank you, Matt. This is a lot of fun. Yes. <laughs> You just listened to an amazing episode on the Matt Baxter Show. It had nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the guests that I have and the stories that we get to tell and the smack talking we get to have. So if you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes that you've listened to, feel free to su- subscribe on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcast. Check us out at themattbaxtershow.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Matt C. Baxter, Twitter, or Facebook as well too. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, whether it's through an email on the website or whether it's through any of the social platforms. I do my best to get back to people as soon as I can. But thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoy. Feel free to send feedback in any way. And don't be afraid to share the Matt Baxter Show. We're very excited to have you as a listener and hope you continue to listen as well. Thanks a ton. Bye-bye.